Hi, David. Our 2023 outlook will be published shortly. What's our big picture macro and market for you for 2023? Hi, Alex. Well, I I think the year ahead will be characterised by peaks in inflation and interest rates and a trough in global economic activity. You know, we're forecasting that the US is going to follow Europe into recession around the middle of next year. And, and that's really on the back of the cumulative impact of the tightening in monetary and financial conditions, which we do think is going to impact and slow down the US economy. We do think unemployment will start to, to rise. And, and along with weaker consumption spending, as households exhaust their excess savings, We're also expecting business investment and exports to drop off, in part reflecting a a kind of broader global um, economic weakness. And and we also still have a kind of housing market correction um, underway. Uh, Europe is is basically on the brink of recession um, due to the surge in energy prices. And and again, we're expecting only a kind of weak recovery from the second quarter or middle of um, next year. So the only major economy uh, where we're actually forecasting an increase in growth in 2023 is China on the back of a pickup in consumption as COVID restrictions are relaxed. But again, our forecast is pretty modest in terms of the pickup. It's well below um, uh, consensus. And and that's because we do think that the transition away from uh, sort of the uh, zero COVID policy um, is likely to be, you know, you know, in fits and starts. I think it's going to be very sensitive to, um, you know, infection outbreaks. I think that's going to continue to constrain consumption. And we still have a ongoing uh, property um, downturn. So when I put all of our forecasts for the major economies together, it actually implies global growth of only about 2% next year. And that's actually a level that the IMF, for example, typically characterise as a global recession. If if we turn to inflation, however, we do think we're going to have positive base effects after this year's surge in energy and food prices. Um, we're also you know, manufactured good prices, I think, are going to start to fall um, in part on the back of higher inventories while uh, aggregate demand uh, weakens. Uh, we're also seeing uh, sort of global supply chains uh, sort of normalise. So I do think that just as the global economy is effectively in recession, we will also witness in 2023 the peak in inflation and the peak in central bank um, interest rates. Now, I think, you know, the market's kind of moving in that direction in the sense that, you know, the latest rally that we've, we're, we're seeing right now, you know, obviously, you know, reflects that lower than expected inflation print um, out of the United States for October. But I think it also reflects investor expectations that the Fed will downshift from 75 to 50 basis point rate hike at its next meeting. And that actually, you know, we're kind of in sight of the peak in Fed funds rates, perhaps sometime, you know, in in, in March of uh, in, in March of next year. Um, all that said, you know, the 10-year Treasury yields about 3.7% or so as we speak. Um, you know, we've got another 100 basis points of Fed rate hikes at least to come. Um, I actually don't think there's much room for bonds to rally much further, at least in the near term. But once we reach that peak in Fed rates, I think investors' focus will start to shift pretty quickly 
um, away from inflation and interest rates to the deteriorating picture for economic growth and um, corporate earnings. And, you know, as that slowdown becomes more apparent in falling payrolls, rising unemployment, I think risk assets are going to struggle to hold to hold on to any of the gains that they've made, you know, around expectations for a peak in uh, Fed interest rates. How fast and how far inflation falls um, remains uncertain and, and will dictate when and if central banks are willing to respond to weaker growth. So I think in summary for 2023, we're going to see the peak in inflation, the peak in um, interest rates. I think inflation actually is going to be you know, meaningfully lower by the end of uh, next year compared to um, today. But the focus for investors will also shift to just how deep will be the trough in global economic activity. What's the cross-asset implications in 2023 of our macro outlook? Well, I think as we've discussed really through this year, you know, high and rising inflation, major central banks belatedly but aggressively responding with rate hikes has been the dominant market theme through 2022. And, and that led to tighter financial conditions, as we saw by the rise in bond yields, a stronger US dollar, you know, much weaker um, equity markets. And there was this positive correlation between, you know, uh, bonds and equities. So, so it's been a very tough 22 tough year for investors they've had really had very few places to hide i think in 2023 the key question is whether inflation and policy rates have peaked or at least the peaks are in sight and i think the answer to that question is is yes and on the back of that then i think we're going to have you know quite important shifts in terms of the relative performance of um, the relative performance of, of, of assets. I think with the market focus shifting back towards growth, I think the correlation between bonds and stocks is more likely to go from being positive to once again being um, negative. I think the you know, core fixed income, high grade credit provide you know, much higher yield than they did at the start of 2022, but they also will provide a sort of cushion or uh, for in the investor portfolios against any um, sell-off in risk assets because of uh, recession fears. You know, our base case, as, as I've articulated, is for a European recession followed by a recession in the United States and falling inflation. So in my view, you know, safe government bonds, investment grade credit, uh, are well placed to generate positive returns in 2023 after a, a truly dreadful um, 2022. And, and I also think that bonds look cheap to stocks. Um, the equity risk premium, so the gap between the earnings yield on stocks and, and, and risk-free bonds, is actually at a post-global financial crisis low. And, you know, when we're in the sort of Lowflation era of negative interest rates, negative interest rates, and quantitative easing before the pandemic, investors were forced into higher risk assets, and, and there was no alternative. I now there are alternatives, um, and for instance, I do think investment grade credit offering comparable yields uh, to uh, equities, but with lower risk and volatility, looks pretty attractive in my uh, opinion. And what if our macro forecasts are wrong? Yeah, so I, I mean, you're right to be skeptical. Um, most economists and central bankers uh, fail to predict the rise in inflation and, uh, you know, usually fail to forecast uh, recessions. And, and it's actually still the case that around half of the 60 plus forecasters reported by Bloomberg, for example, are not 
um, expecting uh, an outright US recession, though pretty much all are anticipating a, a fairly meaningful slowdown in uh, the pace of growth through 2023. Um, and, you know, but, you know, whatever in terms of the sort of spot forecast, if you like, I do actually have pretty high confidence in terms of the direction of travel. So I do think inflation is going to be meaningfully lower. And I do think growth is going to be uh, meaningfully uh, weaker in 2023. But, you know, what if growth does up, hold up much better than we are forecasting while inflation continues to fall? I mean, that's that's a kind of Goldilocks scenario. Um, I think that's I still think that's going to be you know OK for for bonds uh, because of the falling inflation, the peak in uh, interest rates. But it's also going to be a, a positive environment for higher risk. Uh, assets, including um, high yield um, credit. But when I kind of look at cross asset valuations right now, with the possible exception of European investment grade, I don't see markets really, you know, pricing a kind of pending um, recession. And, and I actually think the market is basically leaning and, or pricing implicitly a sort of Goldilocks um, scenario. And, and until unemployment starts to rise, I think that will continue to be the case. Um, but even if we get this, you know, Goldilocks um, growth slows down, it's off landing, but no recession, uh, inflation drifts lower. Um, I'm still a little bit sceptical that, you know, equities will outperform, you know, for example, higher yielding um, credit, because I do think if we're going to see inflation against falling against the backdrop of weak growth, then I, I think that has to imply a squeeze in corporate profit margins. And as I say, I don't think that's reflected in current valuations. Um, if we look at the other side, if we sort of say what happens if the recession is much deeper and longer than we're forecasting, what we're forecasting, you know, pretty moderate, relatively short lived couple of quarters worth of uh, recession. But what if those recessions, you know, are much worse Then in that scenario? I mean, I think it's clear, you know, core fixed income, safe government bonds will meaningfully outperform risk assets because the bond market will start to price in. Um, uh, rate cuts. I think the, the worst case scenario is, is stagflation. So, you know, where inflation and interest rates actually stay, you know, high, even as the economy uh, falls into uh, recession. Again, I think risk assets, you know, will perform pretty poorly uh, in that um, uh, scenario. But bonds are also unlikely to rally if inflation is staying sticky at levels that are unacceptably high for central banks and, and maybe even uh, prompting central banks to, to raise rates further than, than, than is currently anticipated. But again, I come back to this point that, you know, we now have levels of yield in fixed income and credit that do provide um, some income, that do provide some cushion against higher for longer uh, inflation and, and, and interest rates. So, so, so when I look at our forecasts, when I look at what I think is going to be the direction of travel, uh, interest rates peaking, inflation falling, uh, growth getting weaker, and even when I look at kind of scenarios around that, I do think that stars are aligned uh, from a kind of uh, risk reward perspective, certainly for sort of core fixed income and investment grade uh, credit. And, and if the economy does you know, somewhat better than we're uh, currently forecasting, then, yeah, I think, you know, 
uh, higher risk assets, higher yielding assets will also do pretty well. You've set out the investment case for government and investment grade bonds. But what about leverage finance and emerging market debt? Within our kind of overall base case, then I, that is in a particularly favourable environment for, um, you know, leverage loans, high yield bonds or, or even emerging market debt. But, you know, let's, let's sort of focus on where we are at the moment. And where we are at the moment is that the overall credit quality of the high yield market is actually pretty good. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, weakest borrowers went under in the aftermath of the pandemic, uh, certainly in the United States. Um, and, you know, th- th- I think the most kind of leveraged have, have basically relied on the loan market and on the private um, debt market. So from a fundamental point of view, I think the high yield market in particular is, is probably about as good a position as it's been, you know, if we are going into um, a recession and all in yields are very attractive undoubtedly and, and you see that in terms of some of the investor flow so if you've got all in yield uh, on, on for example US high yield of about nine percent it really is one of the few asset classes that is offering you a yield above not just expected inflation but but actually spot inflation you know the the, the, the inflation currently being you know that we're experiencing right right now and and certainly in a goldilocks scenario i i think high yield would perform well and and actually may well outperform uh, duration and investment grade credit um but our base case is recession. And while I don't think we're going to see a meaningful pickup in defaults, not least because there's just very little in a way of maturities in the leveraged loan and high yield market in, in 2023. So you know, default rates, I think, will pick up, but still remain pretty low at around 3 to 4%. Um, I do think you're going to get a build up or a tail, if you like, of troubled and distressed companies. And I think investors are going to want more in the way of credit risk premium and more in the way of liquidity um, premium. And, and you know, it, I, I think against that backdrop, it's, it's perhaps not also surprising that we're seeing more investor interest in, for example, distressed um, uh, credit strategies. So that's kind of where I, you know, would be my more favoured point, if you like, in higher yielding um, credit. In, in terms of emerging market debt, which has also been attracting some investor interest, I mean, our growth forecasts actually imply emerging market economies kind of outperform or that growth differential widens relative to um, developed economies uh, next year. And, and historically, that's been associated with a relative outperformance of EM assets. Um, and I do think we're kind of coming to the end of the sort of dollar strong strong dollar era I'm, I'm not so sure the dollar is going to get much weaker but you know i don't i don't think we're going to get a repeat of this year where the dollar appreciated by 16 percent. so that's not you know that's a reasonable backdrop for emerging market um emerging market assets but again if you you know if the global economy is going to recession as we are forecasting um i think it's still going to be hard to to envisage a sort of you know broad-based kind of market rally, beta rally here across emerging market um, assets. There certainly are pockets of value that I think investors can exploit, and I certainly do think there are opportunities in, for example, a liquid uh, credit as as well. But you know, in our base case of, of recession, then I think you do have to sort of tread carefully in high yielding debt and in emerging markets. Thanks, David. And this is your last podcast before you embark upon a well-deserved retirement. Any advice you want to offer listeners before you sign off? 
Well, thanks, Alex, for that. And I'm certainly going to miss you and, you know, my other colleagues at Blue Bay and, of course, you know, our, our investors. Um, and I'm going to miss doing this uh, podcast. Um, I, I'm not sure if there's much I can give by by, by way of advice. I, I guess I would say um, that it's always important, I think, to have a have a framework for thinking about the world. So, you don't get whipsawed by market volatility as, as an investor. And I, and I still think we're going to see quite a lot of market volatility in um, 2023. Um, and, and I do think that sort of discipline and execution in, in actually everything you do really is, is, is important, but especially in investment. I mean, good investment ideas, poorly executed are bad investment ideas. Um, but I, I suppose the last thing I'd say just to sign off is really to wish... Um, everyone uh, uh, good health and uh, happiness for the future. This podcast is issued by Blue Bay or one of its entities. Please check the entire Blue Bay disclaimer at the following website, www.bluebay.com forward slash podcast disclaimer. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended, nor should it be intended as investment, tax or legal advice. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell, nor is it a solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction. This podcast is not available for distribution in any jurisdiction where such distribution would be prohibited and is not aimed at such persons in those jurisdictions. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. Blue Bay is under no obligation to update the information in the podcast to reflect changes after the publication date. The information contained in this podcast is believed to be reliable, but Blue Bay cannot and does not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness or completeness. The document is intended only for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive or in the US by accredited investors as defined by the Securities Act of 1933 or qualified purchasers as defined in the the Investment Company Act of 1940 as applicable and should not be relied upon by any other category of consumer. No part of this document may be reproduced, redistributed or passed on directly or indirectly to any other person, published in whole or in part for any purpose in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay or one of its entities. Copyright 2022.